0: Have a word of prayer and then we'll read verses 8 through 13. Father, help us. Help us to hear you. Father, help us to see you. Help us to cling to you and you alone. Father, I think of what we just sang take thy will and make it thine. May our hearts be your royal throne. Father, help us as we look at this divine word to draw deep to what you do to who you are and father rejoice in Christ's name amen love never fails but if there are gifts of prophecy they will be done away if there are tongues they will cease If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, and reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then, face to face, Now I know in part, then I will know fully just as I have also have been fully known. But now, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Interesting text, don't you think? I thought you would agree. In the ninth chapter, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, myself will not be disqualified. There are times when we look at a text of scripture and we think there ain't no way. There ain't no way. And um, I would argue that I haven't found a text of Scripture that I don't find that in. That I hold my life up to it and say there just ain't no way. So how do I do this? How do I keep looking at this and keep asking myself, am I running in such a way as to win? Am I running in such a way as that I am going to discipline myself into self control and uh, i don 't know about you, but there are times when I have very good self control and there are other times that i don 't even know how to spell self control um, so it, it just it's just there isn't it and what the apostle Paul has done in this letter uh, this is a letter written to a church that's having problems okay what 's amazing about this church I understand that doctrinal error leads to moral error. I understand that completely. This church doesn't have doctrinal error. But they got some error. And, and it comes in a, in, a, in, a, in a number of different ways, and we've been looking at it. But what I find fascinating is, is he sticks right here, boom, chapter 13, and he says, love never fails. Okay? Listen, it doesn't say love always wins. But it does say love never fails, okay? And 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 what he says, all right, in verse eight, he said love never fails, and he explains it for the rest of the chapter. What does it mean? It never fails, and it's, it means that you and I have a linkage to eternity. Did you know that? I mean, we hear about it, you know, the man has a soul and, 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 and that spirit, and it's always there, and you hear all kinds of silly stuff about that. But the truth of the matter is, your link to eternity is love. Is love. I mean, we tell ourselves that we are eternal beings. We say that. All right, you know, uh, if I have a loved one who dies who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, we say it's just a temporary separation. I'll catch you later. Uh, Something to this effect. Okay? But you have a link, and that link is love. And Paul is saying this link to eternity that you have should be the thing you major on. What is my focus? What do I strive for? What is important to me? I mean, you can see it. Um, I've been watching football, uh, college football. I prefer that a little more. And uh, I am in a state of rejoicing because my team hasn't played in three weeks and they're number one. <laughs> I'm in. like, right, this is great. We're going to play for a national championship. And you guys ain't even doing anything. Uh, which... If you've paid attention to the football season this year, that was a good thing. If you were one or two, don't play because you're not going to be one or two. And I watched one and two. I thought, you know, if one of these guys lose, this is going to be great They'll play for a national championship two years in a row. Wow. And then both teams lost. And I was sitting there going, wait a minute. That's kind of scary. <laughs> I think you ought to stay three. All right. And then Nobody. But I found myself last night, you know flipping on the Internet, and you know we had worship service last night, and I flipped on the Internet, checking scores and going back and forth like that. and it was important. I wanted to see who was winning. I wanted to see what was going on. What do we measure on? What is the thing that is my focus? What is the thing that I made a statement last week on what hill am I willing to die on a doctrinal issue? And I mean, there's, there's several. But Paul says, you should major on, major on this one single thing, love. We've already looked at it, and he says, you know what? It's important. How important is it? Verses 1 through 3 says, you know what? You can do anything. If you do it outside of love, it's a waste. Then verses 4 through 7, he says, here's what the facets of love look like. And now we're looking at the fact that It's eternal. And it's the only eternal thing. And Paul contrasts love with the gifts that the Corinthians were most concerned over. I see that today in the church. I see that today in our church. There are people who are concerned about their gifts. They're focused on their gifts. They're focused on doing. I see people who do that. But the question is, Am I concerned about love? Um, There are people who believe that the exercising of gifts, just as the Corinthians believe, that the exercising of my gift is proof of my spiritual maturity. I am X, Y, and Z this spiritually mature because I am doing something. Paul is saying but pride is what wants to be seen. I want to see it. Uh, I meet on a regular basis with pastors in our community, and that's one of the things I continue to see on a regular basis. It's pride. They won't say it. And and if you were to say something to a person that seems prideful, they're going to negate it. No, it's not pride. I'm worried about kingdom work. I want to see souls reach for Jesus. People in the church in Corinth, the people in the church in America, I think have a serious case of spiritual egoism. Um, They brag about their spirituality. And in doing that, they will become abusive to spiritual gifts. They will counterfeit spiritual gifts. And the reason is that they believe that these spiritual gifts are proof of how spiritually mature I am. And that's what Paul's saying here. Paul is drawing the viewpoint on spiritual gifts. Okay? We're focusing on spiritual gifts. And he's bringing the viewpoint of gifts to the viewpoint of love. And he uses it as a comparison, as a contrast. That's what he's doing here. And it's fascinating if you truly think about it because the one thing he says that is eternal is what? Love. Love. I mean, you can summarize the Bible in verse 13, faith, hope, and love. That's the scriptures. But the truth of the matter is there's only one of those that's even eternal. Faith and hope aren't eternal. some point, I'm not going to need either one of them. But I ask yourself a Question. Do we major on love? Okay, now stop. Because the first thing you're going to think about is, well, this Terry, Does the elder, this, this... No, you. Do you major on love? Why? Are you running the race as to win? Are you disciplining yourself as to win? Because the emphasis is What? Ask yourself that question. When it comes to Christianity, your faith, ask yourself a question. What's your emphasis on? Paul says, you know what? The gifts are passing. Remember chapter 12, verse 31? I show you still a more excellent way. That's chapter 13. What is the more excellent way? And remember, he says, love, and it literally means can never fall into decay. I mean, that's what the word fail means. It can't fall into decay. See, this is an assembly here in Corinth, and and I want us to be warned that it's sold out to teaching and doctrine. They already had issues with it. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of, who are you of? Ah, uh, I am of Christ. But they were saying that too. Where was the love? Assembly sold out to ministering, to serving. To gifts, a minus and an assembly that is that that, that that is given itself, sold out to giving to the poor, uh, of laying lives down sacrificially. When you, now if you heard that, what do you think of? Wow. What a church. Are you sold out to love? I want you to think about this. I I listened to some people this week, and I know sometimes I shouldn't, but I heard it and I, I was hearing how we're reaching the lost or we're not reaching the lost, and how the church just has lost its passion to evangelize. Okay? You know what the Bible says? We should love one another, and in doing so, the world might know that we are children of God. It isn't running around with a track. Uh, it isn't, you know, waiting for somebody in the jail to call because now it's just total, totally bad, or waiting for somebody to end up in an emergency room in a car accident or diagnosed with cancer or something to that effect. If we love one another, then the world will know that we are children of God. See, love is this more excellent way. See, the gifts are passing. The gifts are not forever. They have a time. They have a place. Now listen, I want to be specific here. Gifts are essential. (laughs) I don't want to... I just ain't going to do nothing. I just go sit around and love. Okay? That sounds like the 60s. Okay? I, I don't want to downplay gifts. Gifts are important. If you look at what the church is supposed to do, I'm thinking gifts are important. Right? So I just want to make sure we've got that. Yet, as essential as gifts are, their time... Is only for time. When the time is done, the gifts are gone. Gifts are not for eternity. And yours and my link to eternity is based on one thing and one thing only love. Love. Love should dominate us. Should dominate us. We've been looking at this in verse 8. We've seen that there are two verbs with three nouns. Okay, the three nouns, prophecy, tongues or languages, and knowledge. And yet the verbs prophecy will be done away with and the verb of knowledge will be done away are the same same verb you see in verse 10 uh, that the partial will be done away with okay the verb is different for tongues they will cease one was passive one was active all right when I think about a gift all right I don't care what the gift is all right when I think about a gift a spiritual gift I have to ask myself one question. What is it for? What does this gift do? I mean, God says, I will give supernatural abilities and they have a purpose. I don't just, hey, look here, we'll just throw this up there like pixie dust and see what happens. Look, it's magic. It's cool. Okay? He has a purpose. So when I look at gifts, whatever the gift is, I ask this simple question. What's its purpose? What's it for? Okay. Prophecy and knowledge, the verb there says something outside is going to come in and make it stop. An outside thing. All right. And we'll get into that next week. Tongues says, its verb says, it will cease on its own. Okay, no problem. When? All right, well, what was tongues for? Well, first of all, it was revelatory. God was revealing himself. Second, it was confirming of the person who was exercising the gift, this person is of God because they have this miraculous ability. Third, it was a a, a judgment. All right? Ask yourself a question. Do I need more revelation? No. How do I confirm if a person is of God and is speaking for God? Scripture. All right? And then the judgment. The judgment was a sign unto Israel. The judgment was going to come, right? All right, now ask yourself a question. Of those three, have they been fulfilled? Yes. All three of them. I mean, it ain't even like two out of three. All three of them have been fulfilled. So do I need the gift of languages? No, I don't. But then he says, prophecy and knowledge, they will be done away. That verb says something from the outside is going to make them stop. Okay, and he tells you what it is. The perfect. When the perfect comes, they'll be done away with. All right, now we got that all squared away. Let's move on to chapter 14. No, it ain't that easy. Read how it flows here. Love never fails. Then he's, if you really wanted to look at it, you can say, now let me explain it to you prophecy they will be done away with where there are tongues they will cease where there is knowledge it will be done away with now watch what he does in verse 9 we know in part okay that's direct reference back to what the gift of knowledge we know in part so you know what is amazing about the gift of knowledge it's partial if we prophesy guess what in part. Hmm. When the perfect comes, then guess what happens? The partial is done away with. I don't need the partial anymore. Why? Because the perfect is there. Look at verse 12. <clears throat> For now we see in a mirror dimly. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a quick illustration of this. They had mirrors in the writing of the New Testament, but what it usually was was a piece of brawn, and it was buffed out, okay, so that you could see the reflection in it. It is not like the mirrors that you see today, all right? You would be able to look at it, and you would be able to say it was male or female, whether it had a beard. You could probably tell the colors of the eyes, but a lot of the distinguishing features you're not going to get. I mean, you the hair's messed up. The hair's parted on the left, parted on the right. You could look at that. But you would look at it like on a piece of, of, of really buffed-out bronze, and that was your mirror. Okay? Now, you'd see the image, but it would be dimly. All right? The, but then, face-to-face, face, for now I know what? in part. Okay. So I have in verse 9, 10 and 12 four times this root word part, in part, partial. A partial thing. Knowledge and prophecy are going to stop when the perfect thing comes. Because right now all I have is what? Partial. It's partial. Okay, now, please, I really want to be specific about this. These are essential. These are important. I don't want to say, prophecy and knowledge, who needs them? That ain't what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, even with prophecy and knowledge, guess what? It's partial. It's partial. So, Paul emphasizes the fact that knowledge and prophecy are only partial. Marius is the name, is the term, and it means part of the whole, but it's not the whole. Okay? Now, interesting footnote. You can just kind of put it in your brain pan for a little while. Languages or tongues does not appear in verse 9, 10, 11, 12, or 13. It ain't there no more. What happened? It ceased. It ceased. Tongues, languages will cease before the perfect shows up. That's the way it's written. The only thing that will be around when the perfect thing comes are some other gifts. There will be some other gifts until the perfect comes. And like I said, next week, I'll deal with what's perfect. Okay, so tongues have stopped by itself. So I have this partial, okay? And if you're truly honest with yourself, at best, it's partial. Listen, I can preach to you, um, and I shared this this morning, I have 600 pages of notes on chapter 13. If I give you all of my notes, at best, you know what you got? Partial. Even me preaching, you're not, you're only getting partial of what I've already got. Now you may have more than that. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? It's partial. Let, Let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever remembered something and it just dawned on you and you had forgotten it for a long time? Or is that just something that happens at 50? Okay, 50, I just, what? I don't, I don't, you know what I'm talking about? You'll know something. You lived it. You experienced it. You knew what it was. And then you forgot. Oh, yeah. Right? Why? Because your brain, sometimes your brain isn't as sticky as other times. That's the only way I can describe it. Sometimes it stays. The information stays put. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes we have a a better ability to learn from experience than we do from just reading it. Some people are more visual. Some people, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to get at? But there's times you'll get information and you will forget it. So, you know, when I read this and it says we will know in part and we will prophesy in part, then I understand that gifts are partial. They're partial. It's like this. Which gifts did Jesus have? All of them. You know what was really scary about it? He had all of them to perfection. Right? I do not have all of the gifts. And the ones I've got sometimes don't even equal partial. All right? But if I put the body together, now I have a blending of all, and yet when we're all together, we still are partial. Partial. Listen, um, here's here's one of the things I think happens is the human mind cannot understand completely superhuman God in His fullness. I mean, if we're we're really honest, if we're honest with it, I mean, the best preaching in the world who's ever been around is still but partial. So you take the best preaching, put it all together, All the best preachers who've ever preached throw them all together through all time since the birth of the church. What do you got? Partial. Partial. Okay? Then you take the word of knowledge. He says knowledge. Here's literally the word of knowledge, the logos of knowledge. It is partial. Knowledge, the gift of knowledge, is to draw from the word of God principles of knowledge... And yet, even when you do that, you only have partial. Listen, there's no, uh, logically, there's no way we can know everything there is to know. Right? And yet, you've run into people who think they do. Right? They're experts at everything. They drive you crazy. In fact, you know, I was thinking about this. How much have we forgotten? I, I don't even want to think about that. I have taken algebra 1 and 2 and seen geometry, and I don't remember any of that. And I'm happy about it. <laughs> I'm thinking I needed that for what? But I think what happens... In the church, um, we dealt with this in depth. I want to go br- kind of bring you back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 8: If anyone supposes he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. All right? There are people out there, I, I call them the doctorly smug. All right? I've studied it. I've been to... It's seminary kids. They come out of seminary, they got it all figured out. And then God has to humble them. Okay? Because they don't have it figured out. They have a bunch of facts. Um, And and that's really basically all they got. Um, Our knowing is limited, especially when you think you know everything. You've already limited yourself when you say, I've got that resolved. I know what that is. No Christian can have perfect knowledge on this side of heaven. Can't have it. We make mistakes. And you know what? I don't even have the knowledge to know when I've made a mistake. But don't worry. Somebody will tell me. Okay? The problem is natural man is fallible. And because I'm fallible, that means I have mistakes. And I will, I limit myself to the complete understanding of God because that's a simple reason. I think there's some Bible teachers who need to remember this. We just don't know it all we can't grasp it all you know i always go back to a text that just always shocked me um i was always fascinated with space i remember when the man walked on the moon and all the stuff that we had to do to get on the moon and 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 all. That, that just freaked me out i remember sitting in front of the tv in black and white and sitting there and was it walter cronkite telling me what i was supposedly seeing and uh, and all the rest of it and one small step for dummies and here we are Pluto or something like that he said when he stood on the planet. Anyway, um, space has always fascinated me. Why? It's like big. I mean, it's you know, it's huge. Okay? Isaiah 40 says that the waters fit in the hollow of his hand and the span of his hand is creation. Uh but he knows the hair of my head and he knows when a sparrow falls uh what one cell in the human body has a complete DNA strand that can completely replicate the whole body in one cell I can take a skin cell I can take a hair cell I can take eyeball cell I can make a whole human body out of that one cell because it has the whole record in that one cell in the span of his... Do I really even want to know that? That would give you a headache. Um, I want to go to the oldest book in the Bible. The book of employment. Jobs. Jobs. Sorry. Chapter 11, verse 7. And this is... Uh, um, this is the birth of biblical counseling. <laughs> Alright? All of Job's buddies are showing up and explaining it to him. Verse 7 says, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits? It's literally the zeniths of the Almighty. They are high as the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If He passes by or shuts up or calls on an assembly. Who can restrain him? For he knows false men. He sees iniquity without investigating. An idiot will become intelligent when the foal of a wild donkey is born to a man. Interesting terminology. You know what he's basically saying here? you can't know this when will the foal of a donkey be born to a man when God wants it and somebody's gonna get rich <laughs> <laughs> but basically he starts it out there and says can you dig to the depths of God Can you discover the heights of God? No. You can't grasp perfect knowledge is what Job's friend is saying. And I believe that we, today in the body of Christ, need to have some help with our humility. We want all the answers. And you know what? God says you don't couldn't handle all the answers. Why do... You know, I I get this quite. Why do good Christian Bible teachers disagree? I mean, some believe that the the church is caught up. Some believe that the church goes through a tribulation. Some believe the church does this and does that. And we do this and we do that and all the rest of it. And we're all trying to deal with the limits of our knowledge. I don't have all knowledge. I watched a guy one time try to explain to me the Trinity. Well, it's like the guys who went to the moon. What? Well, yeah, you know, you had one guy who circled around the planet and you had the other guys go down on the planet, and it's just like the Trinity. And I said, I ain't really what I thought it was. He said, Well, it's like an egg. You have the yellow and the white and the shell, not all at once. And the Trinity is all at once. Well, it's like water. Not all at once. You don't have steam and water and ice. You can't have them all at once. And the Trinity is all at once. So what are you trying to describe to me? Something you can't describe to me. Okay, I was told I was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Paul in Ephesians says, you're indwelt by God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm schizophrenic. No, because they are... All at once. Well, how does that fit? It's just there. Why? God says, you can't handle this. And yet we... Oh, I think I can get it. Really? You know, people ask me, what, how, what do you believe about the second coming? Yep. <laughs> when he comes, there could be no doubt in nobody's mind, what's up? Okay? Right. Uh, but he's still trying to get at we, we, well, yeah, but why do we disagree? We're trying to put pieces together. We're trying to make conclusions and we're trying to come to these places without all truth. And you ever thought about I was thinking about this when I was looking at this. We're going to look at a couple of more verses. But I was thinking about this. It says that God is truth. Okay. God is all truth. Okay, I'm, I'm into that. All right, But it also says God is eternal. No beginning, no end. So how much truth is there? How big is that Bible? It has no, nor, an end. You want that one? And then memorize scripture. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, I'm taking care of you guys. See, he's a ah, half man. I don't want all truth. I just, just give me enough that so I can get out of this thing alive. The book of Job chapter 26 verse 14 says, Behold, these are the fringes of his ways. And how faint a word we hear of him. But his mighty thunder, who can understand it? And I'm not even going to get into that naked and shoal before him. And uh, Abaddon has no covering. It stretches over the north of the empty space. And he hangs the earth on what? Nothing. I mean, he's smarter than some scientist. Job is. Why? What's the earth hanging on? Nothing. But it ain't even got a hook. You know, the Buddhists think that it's an elephant. I've seen pictures. There ain't none. The elephant has left us hanging. Alright? But I I try to get that kind of stuff, and you just sit there and you go, Can you grasp that? Do you know how old the book of Job is? And the book of Job, the writer, says, you know what? God hung the earth on nothing. Well, those are men of faith. They don't know what they're talking about. Really? Who can understand his power? Have you ever really thought of that? Who can understand? Did you ever think about this? He only spoke existence into being. That's all he did. Didn't he have to do a magic trip? He said it, and there it was. Okay? You know what's really scary? He created time. Now you want to mess with your head and you think you got some knowledge? How do you make time out of nothing? I don't even want to go into the implications. I don't know what the implications are. I got nothing, now I got time. He created time. I I don't know, what? Yeah, but I want all knowledge. Good. Go. Go. I think that's why God took Arthur Pink home so early. (laughs) He wanted all knowledge. I've read some of his stuff. He says, He's got it. And now he's left. If you haven't read Arthur Pink, count yourself lucky. Um, Chapter 40 of the book of Psalms. Verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts towards us, there is none to compare with you. If I could declare and speak of them, they are too numerous to count. Okay, the, the psalmist here is saying, when I try to catalog what you've done, when I try to put them in some kind of an order to offer them back to you in praise, I can't do it. That's what the psalmist saying. I remember Doctor Zodiatis, his wife were here a few years ago, and we took him down to um, Royal Gorge. Okay, down where the bridge is and the big ditch, and uh, um, we walk out the back, and there's this sightseeing deck thing, and you look down in the gorge and you see all the stratus of the rock and all the rest of it. And I was standing there with him, and I said, uh, "Pretty cool, huh?" He says. What would it be like if it wasn't touched by sin? What? It's been touched by sin. I don't know what it's like. I don't even know why you would think that. But he says, I look at that as beautiful as... Have you ever seen the Grand Canyon? When you look at the Grand Canyon, it looks fake. It is so big, you just look at it and you think... I don't get that. Uh, the Grand Canyon, I have more all when I fly over it because, well, there we go. But when you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, you just look at it and you think, whoa, I mean, it's got colors and all kinds of stuff that I just wasn't expecting. Well, when I was at the Grand Canyon, I was standing on the snow, and I thought that was kind of, I'm in Arizona and it's snowing. Anyway, uh, but I was standing there looking at this thing, and, I, and, it, and it doesn't make sense to me. My brain don't take it all in. And then I think about Dr. Z. He's been touched by sin. What would it be if it was sinless perfection? <laughs> well, I wouldn't be standing there looking at it. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> because I would have marred it because I walked up here and looked at it. But you see what I'm trying to get? It's it's like a, have you ever taken beautiful pictures like in the mountains? I, I'm a mountain kind of guy. I like the pictures in the air and the breeze. And, and, and I did some mountain climbing, big mountains, and take pictures here and all the rest of it. And then you get them home, you t- lay it out there, and you look at it and you think, huh, it seemed like it was more than that when I took it. <laughs> why? If something's missing, why? The, the, the ambiance is gone or something. Why? You just had this thing and it's picture and woohoo." Okay, and and that's it. Why? Because you don't get all the information. You don't get all the information. Psalm 139, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Uh, Romans chapter 11 to show you that this goes through Scripture. It says this, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and infallible are his ways. It's like big. How do you grasp it? I don't know. I go back to his hand is the span of creation. Well, that's just a metaphor. Okay. Well, but I thought that if I came to know Christ, then I get it all. Uh, That's a good thought, except for a small flaw. Speaking of Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You understand that word, right? Hidden. (laughs) they're in there but they're hidden when's Jesus coming back Jesus didn't know when Jesus was coming back alright as soon as I hear somebody pick a date I know it ain't gonna happen well you screwed that one up he may have been coming back but you wouldn't open your big mouth why they're hidden it is all in him what all wisdom and knowledge but you know what? Some of it's hidden. We're, we're always dealing with partial. Okay, now listen. It doesn't mean that we are in error. Please. Okay? To say that we have partial truth is not meant that we have a whole bunch of error and you got to figure out the partial. I, I get people to say that the, the intellectuals, this is their big thing now. Well, the Bible is not all truth. No. No. It ain't because he says, "You know what? You can't handle all truth." Sounds like Jack Nicholson, doesn't it? Anyway, (laughs) but you can't. Think about it. You can't. And even if I had all truth and I could handle it, I'd forget. I remember that. Oh shoot. Okay, but it's what I'm trying to get at. Here's the problem. I don't need anything outside of Scripture when it comes to truth. Okay? Once I get this one nailed down, I'll worry about the stuff that's out there. But I see people who are out there chasing quote unquote man's philosophy, man's truth, and man's truth doesn't have full revelation. We've got to understand that. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Okay? I don't know how he makes a supernova. I used to drive a nova. <laughs> I don't, but you see what I'm trying to get at? I get people, oh, you just do Listen, if you take um, Jacob Oberly, okay? And you show Jacob Oberly two plus two equals 4. Let me ask you a question. Is that true? Everybody's afraid to answer. I don't know. Is it in the Bible? <laughs> there ain't no math test to get in heaven, is there? Okay. If you take Jacob and set him down and try to teach him trigonometry, what's going to happen? Do you know, I used to have, I, I still do. I didn't get rid of it. Well, yeah, I did sort of. I had a degree in electrical design. Okay? Everything from the power wires you see that string across to the stuff that works a computer board. Okay? You know what's scary about that? I did every one of my calculations when I went through college to do that on a slide rule. All right? And I used to tell somebody that now, they go, What's that? I don't know, but I seen a calculator that my son's got. And it's of the devil. <laughs> you have a novel to read to figure out how to make it do what a slide rule does just like this. <laughs> and you're telling me we're getting better? Okay? But let me tell you something. The Texas Instruments Scientific Notation Calculator, it works. I don't want one. I did mine on a slide rule. Everybody thinks they're crazy. No, I still did on a slide rule. Why? That's just what I'm comfortable with. You know what's really cool about slide rule? Batteries never go dead. <laughs> okay, listen. It doesn't mean that the knowledge is wrong. Okay? Please understand that. Uh, it doesn't mean that the knowledge is unreliable. It's just simply incomplete. I don't know who's getting, everybody who's going to get saved. I don't know. God does. Did you know that? He knows exactly which ones are going to get saved. We have, and let's be realistic. As Christians, we learn more as we grow in Christ, don't we? We get more. I remember teaching the book of Hebrews and how frustrating it was because it's like peeling an onion that was eternal. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's all an onion. Okay, but it's like, when do you get, you you don't. I try to exhaust a text. God said in Hebrews, you ain't doing it. And I said, oh yeah, I am. And he said, oh no, you're not. And guess what? He was right. We We have everything we need, but we do not have everything. Okay, uh, and we struggle with that at times uh, you'll get over it <laughs> chapter 5 verse 20 of First John says this and we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true his son Jesus Christ this is true God and eternal life okay he's given you what you need for salvation okay Very good. Now we go back to our text, sort of. First Corinthians chapter 2. Remember what we were struggling with. First six chapters, he says, you know what? You guys are struggling with some stuff here. I'm going to get on you about it. And then in chapter 7, I'll answer your question. In chapter 2, verse 10 and following, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even... Depths of God. For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? That makes sense. All right? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words we should be humbled by that we should stay humbled by that it ain't you and what you do get in your time of study is a gift that comes from the spirit of God who knows the mind of God and he imparts it to you and he may give you the privilege of sharing it. He may not. It may be just for you. And that's what he's saying. We speak not words of men. We speak words of God. That's why he says there, natural man can't understand this. You ever share it with people and get that calf at the new gate look? I didn't get any of that. You know why? Spirit of God ain't giving. I've done that with Christians. They didn't get it. I remember uh, trying to teach somebody on predestination and election. That works. Okay? I can give you all the verbiage and you all said go, what? Or get mad. Some people get mad. That's a crazy thing about it. Okay? I don't understand that. But what I have learned is, is if I bow before the book and say, help me to know, you know what? He does. Holy Spirit will teach you. It's like, uh, and I'll close with this thought. When I was growing up, when I was, I think it was high school, yeah, high school, I had to write a paper on Macbeth. Okay? That is the dumbest story I've ever read in my life. Okay? And we were supposed to say, what does this thing mean? I mean, I could have wrote the shortest paper in the world. Had no clue. I don't know what this is. This is it's pepperoni at night. I don't know. Okay? And I've always been fascinated by that because that thing was the dumbest thing I ever read in my life. And yet everybody says that's William Shakespeare. Well but have you read it? Well I haven't read it. Well you should read it because that's stupid. Alright? And and so I, I've watched through time different actors come out and they're gonna do Macbeth. I I thought, what's his name? Mel Gibson's gonna do Macbeth. I know I'll finally figure it out because if Mel Gibson's doing it, I can understand it. Okay, guess what? I don't have a clue. Okay, I still I understand Mad Max beyond Thunderdome more than I do Macbeth. And everybody says, my pastor's watching. What? Don't worry about <laughs> it. I haven't always been saved. All right. I would like to sit old Bill Shakespeare down and say, what is that no why is that and why do everybody want to do it I mean we'll, we'll do it we'll do it on Broadway or we'll do it in the movies you haven't read it have you it's, has anybody ever done the movie War and Peace okay never mind alright but I would like to sit old Bill down and say what were you thinking here buddy okay I've heard it's true I've heard it's not true I've heard it's this it's not that you know what whatever it is it is uh, somebody's out of their minds All right. but you know what's amazing about the book I have the author in me and I mean it when I tell you people my greatest single tool for the study of God's word is fervent prayer help me Because I don't know what this is. Why? Because I only have partial. I only have partial. Okay? It's not negating what I have. But I have to understand, I only have partial. We're all going to stand up and go, oh, wow, was I wrong or what? What? We are. I had this all hammered out. Now listen, there are foundational truths that are idiot proof. You are saved by grace through faith. Idiot proof. Okay? You can't mess that up. Alright. There are other things that I only have partial. The apostle Paul is given to you and me here in verse 13, or in chapter 13, verse 8 and 9. It's only partial. You can have the best preacher in the world and his best job, if you give him 200 years to preach, it's only partial. All right? You can have the gift of knowledge that where you draw from the Word of God these massive truths so that you can bring them to somebody else and you've only got Partial. But when the perfect comes, have you read that verse? And has he it, it really thought it, thought it? sunk into what it says here. I will end of verse twelve. I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. I will know as God knows. I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. He knit me in my mother's womb. The day that I leave this place, it'd be exactly the moment, exactly the way he wants me to come home. And everything that happens in between is exactly right on schedule to the nanosecond. And when I stand in front of him stand there with him I will know all of that as he knows me maybe that's a picture of what the perfect is next week father thank you for your word father thank you that even even partial wisdom or partial knowledge and, and partial prophecy Lord even just the part is greater than the knowledge of men, the wisdom of men. Father, your foolishness is wiser than men. You've already told us that. So, Father, let us draw to it. Let us draw deeply to it. Let us draw with confidence to it. But, Father, let us be so overwhelmed by your love that we understand that what we have is partial. Partial. And yet, Father, it is exactly what is necessary for the moving of your kingdom in a lost and dying creation. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for drawing us this day. Thank you. For gifts. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you the awesome stuff that you do on a moment-by-moment basis to the glory of the risen King. Amen.